two weeks, three including this one, we have been reading and preaching from the Gospel of Mark beginning in the first verse of the first chapter. Today we come to chapter 1, still verses 29 through 39. Let us pray. O God, help us mount up on wings like eagles as your spirit moves us in new ways. In Christ's name, amen. This morning's passage comes after Jesus had silenced the demon in the synagogue I preached on last week, leaving all of the people astounded creating a huge flock of following. And as soon as they leave the synagogue, the gospel says, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And now Simon's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever. They told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick and possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him In the morning, while it was still dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. In the iconic book of my generation about Vietnam, Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five, the opening line goes, Billy Pilgrim, has come unstuck in time. The line refers to Billy Pilgrim, the protagonist, who was a World War II veteran and uh, an optometrist who was now experiencing life not in sequential lineal time like we normally do, 24-hour, seven-day lineal time, but a dislodged, fragmented uh, series of events out of sequence, traveling back to the past and coming back in the future, and he's just all over the place. The word now, I think, is dissociation. Often uh, one, of the, one of the terrible um, uh, human responses to serious trauma, you dissociate. And uh, Vonnegut is writing about how not only Pilgrim, but Pilgrim is us. The whole country has experienced this trauma of Vietnam and is also dislodged and dissociated with time moving in and out all over the place. 
As I read this chapter in Mark's Gospel, it strikes me that there are these huge events that happen one after another so fast, like Morse code lights on a battleship in the middle of the night, bup, 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 bup. and that Jesus is not so much unstuck in time as Jesus is not in time to begin with. Jesus is in another kind of time, from another dimension outside of our lineal 24-7 world, he just didn't go by his chronological timex. As Mark sets the pace on these 29 verses, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. Immediately, Mark says, he goes into the wilderness where he's tested for 40 days. Immediately, he leaves the wilderness. He's walking by the lake shore. He sees two men in a boat, calls him to follow. Two more men in a boat, calls him to follow. Immediately, they leave their boat and follow him. He then moves into the synagogue where he teaches and then he, uh, he quiets the demon in the man uh, and all the people, as I said, were astounded. Uh, and all of this is to say Jesus set it up with the first words out of his mouth and that were these, the time is fulfilled, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And it's good news because it is about time that has now been fulfilled. And the time Jesus is referring to is God's time, not ours. And the word for time in this text when Jesus said the time is fulfilled is not chronos, the Greek word for time, but kairos, another word for time, meaning that which is not limited or stuck in the clock kind of time, it means the right time. It's the right time to do something, the opportune time. It means God's time when God chooses it to be God's time. And that Jesus is proclaiming that the time of God has now broken into the world, now, in this time. And that God's time has been fulfilled, Jesus says, as his teaching and his life and his death and resurrection would prove. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, which is to turn back, turn around from being controlled by our iWatch time and start living in the new creation of God's kairos time. And when does God break in on our time with this kind of time? It happens when you're about to lose your mind getting your to-do list done. You're being interrupted by all sides. You sit down on the couch to amend it, and your four-year-old granddaughter wanders over, climbs up into the couch, gets into your lap, cuddles up, looks into your eyes and says, Papa, would you tell me a story? And you are now moved from Kronos time into Kairos time. Or like yesterday, we had a retreat. It was our elders and, uh, and staff who gathered together. There were 21 or two of us. We started at 8.30. Uh, we ended at 
Our goal, our mission was to look at our present mission statement, to tweak it or to rewrite it, also to determine if our vision statement and our values needed to be reworked. And so we sat around with some teaching and lessons and talking and 21 different or 22 different people with over 221 different opinions we're in and out and gathering, saying it ought to be this and this word and that word, no, 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 no. And as time was running out, someone said, brings chill bumps. Someone said, I think it's simple is to love others as God has loved us. And there was dead silence. And it was like the spirit the time of God had come in and rested on that place. And we all said at the same time, that's the mission statement. To love others as God loves us. The rest of it, the vision part, the value part, will take its place. Not long after that, I'm in the car driving over to Cassie Odom's house to celebrate her 100th birthday party, only to find that all of Glenn County had done the same. <laughs> when I walked in, I thought someone should call the fire marshal. Three present Kairos moments in Kronos time, but too huge to be controlled and contained, even too huge to make sense of. It just is, and it happens, and when it happens, you're caught up in it. In Mark's gospel, it's clear that the idea of the power of time moves along this narrative of Jesus' life and history, but it's God's time that does the moving. Jesus is in time, as human being, just like we are, born in time, in flesh and blood, limited by time in life, but also as God's son, Jesus is surrounded by God's kairos time, which is why Jesus avoided being slowed down by all of the clamor of fame and popularity that he was immediately building as soon as he hit the ground. People were gathered everywhere. I mean, what's not to like? He says to demons, be quiet and sit down. He calls four men who are fishermen and they follow. He heals people with his hand or with a word. Almost everything Jesus does, Jesus does in a way that the people think, God, this must be him. This must be the Messiah that we have waited for for 900 years, the second Messiah that will follow the first Messiah of King David and come and, and, and finally bring us freedom and release from the power of the Roman Empire and make Israel great again. That was their hope for Jesus. But Jesus wouldn't give in to it. They were on a different time frame. And for what Jesus came to proclaim was this, that the kingdom of 
David they were looking for was not one that mattered. The one that mattered was the kingdom of God. And this kingdom, Jesus says, has come near now, today. So tear yourselves away from all these worldly, political, religious ideas and believe the good news that God has come near to you and us now. I read this really cool book in 1986. Um, I thought I was smart after reading it. Um, uh, looking back, I wasn't so smart. I was just smart enough to read it because it wasn't easy to read. But uh, it caught my eye. It's written by this brilliant philosopher um, uh, scientist named James Carse. And the name of the book was Finite and Infinite Games. And I would label finite games chronos time games and infinite games kairos time games. And his, his, his point is that our approach to life is either controlled by which one of those two games, the finite or the infinite game, we choose to play. He says finite games are zero-sum games. There are winners and there are losers. The Duke Carolina basketball game last night was a finite game. It would have been a Kairos game if the Tar Heels had lost for me. It would have been huge. No, just teasing. It, politics is a finite game. Super Bowl is a finite game. War is a finite game. In a finite game, the players are pretty well set. You know who they are. People can't come down out of the stands and take the field and just start playing. The rules are pretty clear. You have referees and the rule of law to manage it in the finite games. And the goal of the finite game is to win, to defeat your opponent. Most of how we live our lives is this way, competing to win against, against some real or imagined opponent in our finite games. But infinite games, infinite games, nobody really knows who the players are. They're not clearly established. Anyone can show up and be in the games. And the rules, they're fluid, they're flexible, and you make them up as you go along. The objective, the mission in playing an infinite game, Kars says, is to grow, to improve, to mature in oneself and learning, and learning how to play and be with others. Education is an infinite game. The pursuit of knowledge, art, faith, learning how to become a human being in the image of God. It's an infinite game. You know you're in an infinite game when you have lost track of time. If you've ever painted, you get so caught up in it, you have no idea where the time goes, or you're reading a, a book, or you're in, you're in an amazing conversation with someone, or you are overcome by something that takes you out of chronos time, that you're in kairos time. That's the infinite time that, that Kars is talking about. Sometimes work will do that. When you get into the flow, that's infinite time. And what becomes clear when reading Mark's gospel is that the whole Old um, New Testament is about this exact thing. Jesus came to show us how to play infinite games that truly matter, 
instead of the finite games that we spend our lives playing. You have to play those finite games to survive, but you do not play those finite games to thrive. And it's also clear as I read the New Testament from the beginning that no one understood this. No one got this about Jesus. They thought he was the new Messiah, the finite game winner for Israel, as I said, as did everybody else who thought Jesus were going to fix all of their boo-boos, that Jesus was playing the finite game of solving everybody's problems. When Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate the night before he was crucified, all the Jews were laughing at Jesus, saying that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. And by then the Jews had lost their favor with Jesus because they discovered that he couldn't fix everything like they hoped the Messiah could. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And it's a, it's a finite question. And Jesus answers it with an infinite answer. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were of this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the mob. Finite, winner, loser. Jesus says, but it is my kingdom, and it is not from here. Born in time, human, as we, but not enslaved to the constraints of space and time, as we often think we are. That's the opportunity. I read a sermon recently. Um, when I finally finished this book I talked about last week called The Kingdom and the Power and the Glory by Tim Alberta. It seems to be all the rage. He, Tim Alberta is an evangelical Christian, Christian. His father was an evangelical Christian in Michigan who was head of this huge evangelical church. And Christian grew up in that church uh, but he began to see something was happening to the evangelical church over the issue of politics, as well as happening in the Southern Baptist Church uh, in terms of politics and in terms of uh, sexual molestation issues, uh, that the churches were splitting. Uh, and he wrote this book to try to figure out what, what the reason was. And in the end of the book, he starts telling this sermon by a guy named Christian Winan, who took over his father's pastorate when his father died. And when Christian Winan started preaching, everybody started leaving because his father had been preaching by then the finite game, and Christian started preaching an infinite game, and people didn't feel like they were winners anymore. But now, Four years later, Christian Wyman's church is thriving. And so he, he, he read this sermon that Pastor Wyman preached. And in it, Pastor Wyman says, I just read this book by, by this guy, and the name of it was Finite and Infinite Games. Got my attention. And he says, uh, preaching to this now thriving evangelical church, that too often our churches, mainline, evangelical, whatever, lose their way believing that 
we are playing a finite game of winners and losers, a game of winning at all costs, ugliness and name-calling, the mean, the end justifies the means. That's how churches are now that are losing their way rather than living out of the infinite game of God that Jesus came to reveal that is now at hand. Our churches, he said, are so confined with rules, rigidity, rigidity, right and wrong, caught up in fundamentalism or liberalism and politics, so lost in our finite, finite game of righteousness instead of the fundamental truth about Jesus and the kingdom of God, a.k.a. Kairos time, that we have been swallowed up by the demons of this world, he said. God, it was a good sermon. And the real good news is his church was packed with people thriving in hearing that. Wanting to hear that. Friends, we have forgotten that Jesus played not by our rules, but by God's. The Kairos rules of grace and peace and joy and forgiveness and kindness and beauty. We have forgotten that Jesus didn't eat with the winners. He sat down and ate with the losers the tax collectors, the sinners, the lepers, with prostitutes, with all the people that we wouldn't dare want in our righteous little homes and churches, Jesus is out there with. That's kairos, God time. And we forget this. Jesus healed in, Mar uh, in Simon's house on the Sabbath when he raised Simon's mother. It was on the Sabbath. He broke the rule. He touched a woman. A man not supposed to touch a woman. It's against the Torah. He touched a woman and raised her up by the hand. He broke a rule. You're not supposed to sick, touch a sick person like that. You have to be a priest to do that. He broke a rule. In every single case, he broke the rigidity of the rules for a higher rule of love. That is the love of God's presence in our time and space that we cannot contain or control. When I first started going back to church, my preacher would take his watch off every Sunday and lay it down beside him. And I was thinking, golly, I guess he's just trying to make sure he keeps time and doesn't preach too long. But one sermon I figured out, he's not looking at his watch because his sermon was a long time, but I never knew it. When I asked him why he took his watch off later, he said, because I want to be reminded that this event is not Kronos, but Kairos. That our meeting and gathering and worshiping and preaching is something way different than 10.30 to 11.30. Because it is, in fact, a representation of what the kingdom of God is like. If there is a game to be played, it is the infinite one, and the winner has already been decided through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The game has been won over the powers of sin and death. And in that resurrection, 
The power of God's kairos, infinite love, has been set loose for new life to all of us. So we can say with T.S. Eliot, as he penned, our end is now our beginning. Let us bring forth the gifts of our lives and our labors.